0: Leonard Lopez. at large. I'm Leonard Lopez. We had another show planned for us uh, for today, but we felt that we just couldn't ignore discussing the incredible events of yesterday afternoon, one of the most severe intrusions of the capital since the British invaded during the War of 1812 and burned it down. We would love to hear your thoughts about what happened, so we invite you to call us throughout this hour. Our on-air number is 212 212- Joining us now to talk about what happened yesterday are Sinan Aral, author of The Hype Machine, How Social Media Disrupts Our Elections, Our Economy, and Our Health, and How We Must Adapt. It is published by uh, Penguin Random House. And a little later, Frank Figluzzi, the uh, FBI's former head of counterintelligence, will be joining us. Uh, Again, the number to call? 212-209-2877. Sinan, you wrote a piece that argues that the greatest threat from social media was always going to be the violence, not whether it changed votes. Uh, That's in a piece called The Greatest, well, it's called exactly that. Uh, uh, So how much uh, of a role did social media play in the run-up to this event?
1: Well, I mean, I think it played a very important role Uh, We know that information is absolutely critical to these kinds of things happening. Information is important for motivating uh, people who join riots and protests. It's important for coordinating the activities which we know uh, happened over social media. It's important to provide social proof that other people are committing themselves to do this and thus legitimizing it. And we've been warning about this for months, if not years, that these kinds of informational pieces are critical to protest movements, riots, and so on, and especially the misinformation. So providing people a different reality about what's going on is essential to riling them up, as I say in my book, the hype machine, hyping them up to engage in violence like this.
0: Have you been able to monitor any of the activity that uh, occurred before the event?
1: So not specifically related to this event, but we've been monitoring the spread of misinformation, conspiracy theories, uh, QAnon. You might have noticed that one of the leaders of QAnon, the the so-called QAnon shaman, was one of the people who is uh, right there in the thick of the uh, intrusion into the Capitol. Um, And so... You know, it used to be that people used to tell me, look, you know, it's it's fake news is not really a big deal. It's a small fraction of the media diet and so on. And I was warning that this is, you know, eventually the chickens are going to come home to roost uh, because even if it's a small fraction of the media diet, it only takes that small fraction to mobilize and catalyze something like this. And now we've seen that it's happened.
0: It was impossible not to notice the professional and even uniform quality of many of the signs and banners that the insurrectionists were waving yesterday. Do we have any sense of who the groups are that organize this and
1: uh, how long they've been working on it? Well, we know some things, uh, but there's a lot more to learn about uh, what happened yesterday. We know that, that QAnon is a big part of this because we see QAnon leaders in the crowd, Uh, And we know that there is, you know, QAnon chatter. uh, And we know that social media was used to coordinate and incite, essentially, uh, these types of, uh, you know, movements that happened yesterday. But we don't know the full story. Uh, Just as we saw in the attempt to kidnap the governor of Michigan, a lot of the details come out later. In other words, Once there's a forensic investigation into the messages that were shared, the coordination that was done and so on, we saw in the case of the attempt to kidnap the governor that a lot of the coordination and incitement happened over Facebook and over social media. Uh, And I suspect that we will see the same things here. We see some evidence of that. We don't have the whole story yet.
0: Uh, interestingly, the uh, state house in in Michigan has just been closed down because of threats. Uh, do we uh, what kind of social media activity have we seen since yesterday?
1: Well, what we know is that the uh, the platforms are taking some action. In other words, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram uh, suspended Donald Trump uh, and his accounts uh, mm-hmm. yesterday. Twitter announced that it would be reinstating and allowing uh, Trump to use his personal account starting today. Facebook has indicated that on Facebook and Instagram, the ban will continue for at least two weeks through the end of his presidency and could continue indefinitely thereafter uh, because of uh, what they cite as incitements to violence and that, as Nick Clegg said today on Twitter, You know the the uh, PR representative of Facebook internationally that the risk posed by this speech is just too great, given what we saw yesterday.
0: uh, Can I read what Mark Zuckerberg posted on Facebook?
1: Please do. Uh, He said, "We
0: believe the risks of allowing the president to continue to use our service during this period are simply too great. Therefore, we're extending the block. Uh, We." have placed on his Facebook and Instagram accounts indefinitely and for at least the next two weeks until the peaceful transition of power is complete.
1: I mean, but but Twitter is going to
0: allow him back.
1: Yeah, you know, Leonard, it's, it's, can we just take a moment to step back and sort of recognize and, and sort of let it sink in how really crazy What we are talking about is what we saw happen at the Capitol yesterday cannot be brushed under the rug as just another crazy conspiracy theory. This is incredibly unprecedented, and what we're seeing on social media plays a huge role in the reframing of reality, the motivating, and the coordinating of these types of actions. I believe the decision that Facebook has taken is the right one. What I'm concerned about is what happens next, what happens today and what happens over the next two weeks leading up to the inauguration, which will be another flashpoint. I mean, I wrote, as you mentioned at the top, I wrote that article in October, which predicted Mm -hmm. that this would happen. And what I'm saying today is it's not over. There will be more between now and Inauguration Day. We need to be vigilant.
0: We have a number of calls uh, coming in who want to join this conversation. So let's take a few of those calls. BAI, you're on the air.
2: Hi. Hello. Go ahead. Yes. Um, I'm an artist and um, uh, a gang of people in my uh, housing project got together. They live in the same building. Uh, They're crackheads, cokeheads. They've stolen large amounts of my work and and said that they're making a new movement and it's take whatever you want and it's yours from an artist. And that's a crime. If I I lived in a white neighborhood, these people would be put in jail. And they're online. I cannot email or Gmail. Uh, They are hiring teenagers to assault me using chemicals and causing health problems and monitoring my phone calls. I cannot take care of my business. I cannot email people or take photos of my work. Uh, they are, are working with a church illegally, uh, selling my work in Harlem, Abyssinia Baptist Church of Reverend Butts. I try to contact them. The secretary hangs up the phone. I'm supposed to be the crackhead who stole the work from white people. They're online showing people how to do my work, which proves that they did the work, which they did not. I don't know these people. They just live in the same building, and the FBI, when I call them, they hang up. And because these people have said that they did the work and they have an art business. I'm a legitimate artist. I had a gallery, June Kelly in Soho. Uh, she wasn't selling my work, so I was going to try to get a retrospective somewhere.
0: Yeah, and, we, we um, uh, I I understand, but we we're, we're really trying to talk about what happened yesterday. But let me ask Sinan. Uh, Sinan, is this an, an unusual situation, or have you heard other stories like
1: this? Well, honestly, I'm I'm obviously not familiar with the details of this particular situation uh, um, at all. Yeah.
0: Well, but. Uh, what she's basically saying is that uh, social media are being used uh, as a way of encouraging people to steal her work.
1: Well, I mean, social media is um, is is a platform that is open. I think that there are some tremendous societal benefits to that openness, um, and we need to be careful of the uh, the, the the potential harms and risks that come with it. And that's actually the theme of my book, which Mm -hmm. is to say that social media has the potential for tremendous promise, this open communication platform being something that could create amazing things for our society. But it also has the the potential for tremendous peril. And what we do in the next 18 to 24 months, months and how we design and regulate it is going to be critical. That's what my book is about.
0: Okay, well, thank you for your call. Let's take another call. BAI,
1: you're on the air.
3: Uh, good afternoon. As always, I enjoy your program. To that lady, I would suggest her getting in touch with Letitia James, the Attorney General. She is quite exceptional. And that's on record that she really looks into unusual situations or unlawful situations, which the way she describes it, it appears to be. Um, and in my opinion pertaining to what happened yesterday, the first thing I was trying to find out who is responsible for protecting uh, our capital, and uh, they had a gentleman named Carl uh, uh, Raskin or something of that nature. He indicated that he was not that, that was not his position. He was uh, uh, an attorney general, but he said the federal um, prosecutor was one of the people who are responsible for um, prosecuting felony acts, and these acts are obviously felonies. Um, so I, I want to see what's going to go on from that standpoint.
0: So well, we'll be addressing that a lot more in the second part of our show when we talk to Frank Figlusi.
3: And just one other thing. I would suggest that people who use Twitter, uh, since the Twitter uh, platform representatives or owners are so irresponsible, perhaps, in my opinion, we should boycott Twitter. Hmm. All right. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. In fact, uh, yesterday, uh, although... Uh, members of both parties urged him to go on television to ask his supporters to stop he chose to tweet a video that he'd recorded that included what many interpret as a mixed message at best to his supporters he said you have to go home now but he didn't condemn the violence Sinon, yeah
1: i mean i yeah I, so in response to to the caller's suggestion um that is one of the important levers that we have for steering social media towards the promise and away from the peril. And, and namely, that is the norms that we uh, espouse in society with how about how these technologies should be used. So things like the Delete Facebook movement, the Stop Hate for Profit movement, though they are a drop in the bucket financially, they create a zeitgeist in society that says, we're not happy with the way that these platforms are being designed and being, uh, you know, uh, run in terms of policy. And that creates movement in other areas, like regulatory scrutiny, like uh, businesses boycotting, employees walking out or whistleblowing. Um, And that creates things like the humane technology movement, which essentially is about how do we design technology with humanity in mind? All of these oars need to be rowing in the same direction mm-hmm. if we're going to fix the social media crisis. So I do think that public pressure uh, is important.
0: My guest on London, Lopate at Large today, the one we're talking to now, uh, is Sinan Harrell, uh, author of The Hype Machine, How Social Media Disrupts Our Elections, Our Media, Our Economy, and Our Health and How We Must Adapt. Uh, this is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, streaming live at WBAI.org. Let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air.
4: Yes. Good afternoon, Leonard. Um, and good afternoon to your guests. Um, was it Sinclair Lewis that wrote that book, It Could Happen Here? Um, the, the book about, uh, I think it was written in the in the 30s or the 20s, about the uh, government coming to, yeah, you may know, but a lot of people don't. And I hear Everybody's discussing this situation and are not looking at the parallels between early Nazi Germany and what's going on in this country at this time, looking at the Proud Boys as the brown shirts. This is what it is. We're all, you know, polite society. We don't want to make these parallels, but it's happening. And they're using the Black Lives Matter situation as a foil to say that this is like a Black Lives Matter thing against uh, the Proud Boys and all of that kind of stuff, which is all smoke and mirrors. This yeah. is a problem that's deep. It's rooted in the American system. It's just that Donald Trump has now brought this problem to the surface. This is not something, if, he, if it took four days almost for, for, for the votes to be read, Donald Trump, the reason why he's empowered, because a lot of people voted for him regardless of what he did. He came to power saying that he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and people would still vote for him. What kind of country, what kind of society are we living in where this man has been accused of rape, he's been accused of all crime, I mean, you name it. And we still have this man, he's inciting, rioting, uh, uh, the, his main lawyer, Rudolph Giuliani, is, is telling people we should to trial by combat, and we're sitting around discussing it as if it were just another happening. Yes, we're shocked, but we're not, we're, we're not shocked out of our, our slumber. And social media is a part of it, because we don't have the context, we don't put it in context. I don't use Nazi Germany as a hype. It's a parallel. It's a straight parallel because he's using the same prejudices, the same divisions that Adolf Hitler used. And we're not calling him out in that way. And as long as we keep discussing this like Joe Biden is going to come in and it's going to be swept under the rug. No. What's going to happen is his people are going to become more entrenched. If it's a fact that he had 78 million votes in his country, that's more than an army. And these people are carrying guns, okay? They believe in that Second Amendment right, okay? So I'm saying to you that we need to take this situation with the seriousness which, in which it's presenting itself. This is not a one-off situation. And if you, we're not vigilant about it, okay, this is just the beginning of it.
0: Well, Sidon, uh, Hitler and Mussolini both credited radio with helping them spread their message. Exactly. We can only wonder what would happened if they had had Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. Exactly.
1: exactly. I, I, I think that these analogies are appropriate, and I think they're appropriate because we have to be vigilant. Exactly as the caller said, that it's important to consider these analogies because of the dramatic potential consequences uh, of that kind of movement. And one thing that, that the caller also mentioned, uh, I think it's a, it's a very good comment, is that information and propaganda are essential to these kinds of movements. And today's information ecosystem makes them incredibly scalable, fast, coordinated, uh, and, and it is a much different environment than simply radio. Uh, personally targeted mm-hmm. – uh, persuasive, social. Uh, and so we have to consider the information environment's role and, uh, in the spreading of conspiracy, propaganda, incitement, and so on as being part of this movement. And that's exactly what I've tried to you know, tease out in my research.
0: Okay, well, let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Hello, are you there?
5: Yeah, BAI, you're on the air. Hi, how you doing? Good afternoon. Uh, yeah, I was uh, commenting about what happened last night at the uh, Capitol. Then he bought, one reporter brought up the uh, the scenario that this is a result of the uh, Floyd getting killed out here in the, in, in the, in the George Floyd getting killed. The police aren't responding of cases like this because of the uh, kickback that they got from George Floyd. And they should go back to where they were doing before. But they didn't mention about the actions of the police who brought on these uh, 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 demonstrations because of uh, how they were treating people in the communities. And also about social media, I, you know, I have a question about censoring, because when you look, listen to the radio, you take in the news, you listen to CNN, NBC, and you're not questioning that. You ask people, "Where did you get this? Why well, heard it on CNN?" Well, why can't people put uh, postings on Twitter and and uh, other news media's social media's? Without, uh, without
1: being censored. Let people use their own discretions about it. Sinan? Yeah, I mean, I think that there are two really good questions there. The first is, uh, where was the response of the Capitol Police? How is it possible that this kind of uh, march can be telegraphed days in advance uh, can slowly build from one part of the city through to the capital, and then the capital police are overwhelmed. Where was the defense of the Capitol? That is a very good question that requires further investigation. Why is it that uh, we were unprepared when all signs pointed to this coming down the pike? I, I am also very surprised by that. The other question is about, censorship and moderation, you know, as I described in the book, this really centers around Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which uh, shields social media platforms and other internet platforms from civil liability in the content moderation decisions that they make in terms of censoring one way or the other different types of speech on their platforms. And as we know, that conversation has uh, gotten a lot of attention recently because uh, President Trump and others have called for and even, uh, you know, uh, made it a condition of passing bills or, or not vetoing bills in the Congress that uh, that the Congress repeal Section Two Thirty of the Communications Decency Act, which actually enables moderation. So let me take one minute to describe why that's an important debate. The shield from civil liability actually enables the platforms to do content moderation, to have policies against hateful speech, harmful speech, inciting speech, and to moderate that kind of um, uh, content. And the shield from civil liability allows them to say, hey, you can make content moderation decisions without worrying about whether you are sued on every decision that you make. If you repeal Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, one of two things will happen. Either they won't moderate at all, and social media will become even more of a swamp than it is today, or they will moderate everything and have to pass everything that's posted on social media through legal before they put it on social media. In either case, that is a case of dramatic censorship Neither of those two outcomes are the right outcome. We can reform Section Two Thirty of the Communications Decency Act, but repealing it uh, is not a logical solution.
0: But uh, much of what happened yesterday was, uh, was announced in advance on social media. Uh, should we not be aware of what what the uh, the Proud Boys and some of the other the the uh, the various neo-Nazi groups are saying uh, th- their calls to arms. 100%.
1: Oh. I, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. I was mm. very surprised. I, I would have thought that the FBI would be, I mean, I mean, this is not unprecedented, unfortunately. There was a plot to kidnap and kill the governor of mm. Michigan. Yes. that was planned over Facebook. The fact that the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security and the Capitol Police were not more prepared and noticing those kinds of very similar uh, incitements and coordination messaging going on on social media prior to what happened yesterday is shocking to me, frankly.
0: Let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Hello. Bai, you're on the air,
6: Mr. Lopez. How are you?
0: I'm okay. I hope you are too. You don't. You don't. You don't tweet me anymore. <laughs> Go ahead.
6: <laughs> what happened yesterday? You know, it's my. It's mind-boggling because this is what happened. You know, when those guys they came out the woodwork, right, and they decided to, to call the, um, you know, the um, the turtles, like, you know, that's the best that's the term we they use in Rikers Island when, when they have, you know, rides and stuff. the the riot gear people and the police. The reason why they didn't arrest, where they they shot four people. The reason why they didn't arrest, and they, and they didn't, like, really regress with them, because they said, we know you're upset, we're on your side too, but this is not the way to conduct yourselves. Okay, white folks in general, they have, like, a, compassion amongst one another. And it was just, you know, we just saw it like in plain view. We just compared now, because... Now, to be
0: honest, the, the the woman who was shot turns out to have been a QAnon member. So, yes,
6: she, was a, she, was, she was a terrorist, yeah. yeah. Yes. They, they, did, they, they, got some, they did something right.
0: Well, I don't but know if you I, want to kill people, I, but yes.
6: <laughs> but I didn't, I, Mr. Lopin, I never expected that to happen. This mm-hmm. never happened during... J, um, JFK, uh, Robert Kennedy. When he was campaigning, it didn't happen during Clinton and Obama. It happens now. What happened during what happened um, in 2008 and 2012? Why are people so bitter now that they had you? You, you the White House? This is like the rich cotton of every um, complex structure built. I mean, that,
0: but wait, wait! Don't you think that all of this was happening and has been? part of the American fabric at least since the end of the Civil War. the, the, the difference is um, perhaps that uh, some of these people felt that this current president gave them license to act out.
6: Hey, listen I you know I'm, I'm like in my early 40s and I mean just an average an average Joe going into breaking into the White House, I mean, that's, that, 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 that's never heard of, let, let, let alone yeah. a thousand, like a thousand people trying to do it simultaneously. I mean... And he
0: and and the president said anybody who did it should go to jail for 10 years. So,
6: I mean... If it, I mean, it, was, well, Black Lives, if it was Black Lives Matter protesters, they wouldn't have went near that place because they know what would happen to yeah, them. Yeah, sure. At least there would have been more discipline. But these guys, I thought they would have been like, okay, we're not going to go that far. We know the president's in there. We're going to respect the property because basically they're telling the president... For you, you know, we you know, we support you, but they don't, they don't, you know, they don't understand. It's not Trump's fault. It's the people that came out and voted. You know.
0: Thank you. Yeah, Sinan, do you want to respond?
1: Well, I, I just want to echo the, the shock. Um, I do think it's, it's, uh, it's shocking, and I think that, um, you know. I think it's important to realize the, the, the gravity of this moment.
0: There are a couple of reports that have come out, thank you so much for call, that have come out while we were on the air. One that is that Trump was borderline enthusiastic watching the insurrection on TV yesterday, according to a White House official. And the other is that uh, Trump had pressured Pence, as we know, to assist in this attempted coup, and then never checked on him during the siege. And Pence feels betrayed. His family was with him and was also in danger.
1: So. I mean, yeah, I really don't know what to say to that. I, uh, you know, Can you
0: imagine how many books are going to be written about this?
1: I mean, they should be. <laughs> they should be. This, this is unprecedented. It, we should thoroughly document and consider what this means about uh, about the fragility of our democracy and what it's going to take to defend it.
0: You're listening to Leonard Lopate at large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM streaming live at wbai.org. Father Father We don't
3: need You
7: see, war is not the answer For only love can conquer hate You know we've got to find a way To bring some love and here today Picket lines and picket sides Don't punish me
3: and
0: we're talking on? about what's going on on going today's show. On? We're talking about, in fact, uh, what went on yesterday, but I think it will continue into today. Uh, and uh, I'm speaking with uh, Sinan Aral, A-R-A-L whose latest book is The Hype Machine, How Social Media Disrupts Our Elections, Our Economy, and Our Health, and How We Must Adapt. Uh, it is published by Penguin. Uh, and I, I don't know whether our other guest has yet arrived, Frank Figluci, uh who uh, is the former head of counterintelligence at the FBI, uh, and he has all sorts of thoughts about what happened yesterday. Uh, Reggie, has he joined us yet? Okay, do we have more calls? Okay, so let's take a few more calls. Again, the number is 212-209-2877. BAI, you're on the air. Hello? Yes.
7: Yes, this is uh, Tino Cook from New Jersey. And it, it seemed to me that, that everybody's looking around and so surprised and everything. Is it just that the people in this country are not capable of understanding what's been going on? A lot of things with the George Floyd and all the riots and everything, these people, you could see it was planned, and it's planned from from a, a big power structure. It's like the Civil War never ended. And I think the country is committing its own suicide The people who whose the white supremacists and everything. The future for them is not good, no more than it's good for anybody else because they don't really like the police, but somehow they get along. It's like strange bedfellows that they get along with the police and people are so surprised of what's going on. Can we really take a look at what's going on, analyze it and can we organize it and break some of this apart from the top and deal with the top structures at his country, thank you.
0: And thank you for calling. Uh, you you have anything that you would want to uh, add to that, Sinan? Yeah,
1: I mean, I I think that there's two two parts to that. The first is the predictability of it, and the second is the the depth of the of the structural roots of it. So the predictability of it, um, and and the the as the caller is calling for analysis of, you know, couldn't we see this coming and so on, is exactly what we've been trying to do uh, in our research. Um, and I do think that we have to examine both the sort of informational enablers and catalysts and sparks, uh, as well as the deeper rooted structural origins uh, of this kind of, of violence. And I think... Um, I think both of those are really essential. The call, BAI, you're on
0: the air. Hello, you're.
8: Hello, am I on the air?
0: Yes, I think part of the problem we have is that uh, we're we're on a bit of delay on the yeah, radio. On and if you're listening, if you're listening to the radio instead of listening in your phone, you're going to oh, be no, a I'm, bit confused.
8: And I'm listening to the. I'm listening through the phone actually.
0: Okay. But well, anyway, go anyway.
8: ahead. Yeah, anyway, so um, there's a couple of things. Um, there was another, on another show, there was a, a person who was actually there. We saw what was happening, and the images that we were being shown, you know, he, he said that it really wasn't like the storming of the Bastille or storming of the Capitol. He basically said it almost happened in slow motion, like, you know, parts of the crowd would inch up, and they'd go up a couple of steps and stop, then it would go up, and then all of a sudden it just sort of happened. You know, and
0: well, that's not what we, I saw on television. I saw people smashing windows and climbing that, the walls. That's at
8: the, very, that's at the very end, he was saying. He's saying that the way it started, it started slowly. Mm-hmm. It, did, it wasn't that, that sort of thing. He, he uh, knows that the other thing, well, two other things. Um, do we have a crowd estimate of how many people were actually there? Because I'm convinced that a whole lot of people really didn't know what was going on. That They just were there for, you know, a big time um, rally and to just do whatever. And, you know, and you had a few people who are really hardcore, like those who had, you know, apparently planted bombs and all of that. And the last thing, you know, um, I kind of really, you know, I've been around the left for a really long time. I kind of really don't agree with the whole easy analogies with Nazi Germany and Mussolini and all of that. I think, you know, the more I hear people draw these analogies, the more I'm convinced, the less they know. But one thing that is very disturbing that people haven't picked up on yet, is that, you know, if, if the QAnon woman was, was killed, so now they have a martyr. All right? Mm-hmm. Do you understand? And that's very important when you give any sort of movement a martyr. If you have if You have like an unarmed woman killed, I mean, you know, I can see where that can go, and it it's not a good place. Okay. But
0: I'm I'm wondering about your your uh, disagreeing about comparisons with Nazi Germany and and Mussolini's fascism. Right. Many of the people involved are admirers. In fact, there is even a, a neo-Nazi group with a German name that was participating. Yes. Okay.
8: That's true, but we don't—see, but the thing is, you know, if you look at the white nationalist groups in, in the U.S., right, there are um, a whole lot of them. We really don't know who's really, you know, like really neo-Nazi, neo-fascist, or whatever. I mean, there's just a whole lot out there. We don't know how many were really there at, the, um, at this— um, rally, this, you know, rally, riot, whatever, you know, we, we do know all, that they
0: came from all over the country right. because there were so people we just, but the thing is, and they, the, they thing were is, invited through the the social media.
8: Right. But the thing, the thing with, um, the thing you have to remember also with, with Mussolini and Hitler is that these were um, parties and a lot of it was organized out of the, you know, directly out of the military. All right. You know, we, I mean, you have to remember that. And I'll be really blunt. People just kind of don't get some of this, you know, that, that you know, America now is a lot more overtly racist against black people than the Weimar Republic was, was um, you know, racist, anti-Semitic against Jews.
0: Wait, right? uh, the, I don't know Nazi if that's Party, true. Yeah, well, we can, we can, get it, but the and do, Party, you know Do you know what Hitler said when he, Hitler said when he declared war in the United States? He said the United States was Judaized and Negroized.
8: Yeah, but that was that was that was in 1941.
0: Yeah, that's
8: in 1941. I mean, you know, and you know, and in a lot of ways, there's a, there's a new book. There's a book by Brandon Sims called Hitler: A Global Biography, right? And America, not the Confederacy, America as a settler colony was his model, and he says that he admires you know how the I'm not going to quote him exactly, but it says about how the American Union got rid of the um, quote unquote Indians through um, gunshots and liquor. All right? So you know, and you know, there's other books about the the, um, the whole thing about um, how prominent a role anti-Semitism played, you know in the in the Nazi Party. Coming to power, and you know, and it's just you know, to, to, to the surprise of many historians, that's not what many Germans really went for. And in fact, a year after the um, the after Hitler had been in power, you know, you all are going to l- love this. They says, well, "What do you like about this?" He says, "Well, he brought leadership. He brought unity. He brought us together. We were divided, and now we're together."
1: Right, which sounds like who? Yeah. Sidon, you you Um, want to join in?
8: These things are a lot more complicated, and these analogies with fascism, you know, they always throw everything off. And and frankly, I think that they've diverted people's attention from, you know, the social media companies, what um, Zuboff has called surveillance capitalism, you know from these from and from the fact that like the democratic party their major supporters are these massive corporations that are into surveillance okay and people you know i just think that people need to just really start thinking a new uh, uh, on a whole lot of um levels okay but anyway my main point really was about the martyrdom this okay was, that this could really galvanize
0: well thank yeah. you for your call
1: well by the Leonard, way this, you know- go ahead yeah, so I, I, I just wanted to react quickly to that, which is to say that I agree in the sense that we shouldn't get too hung up on historical analogies and whether they're right or wrong and the details or not. We should take the situation in front of us as the situation we face and confront its reality in all of its details. I mean, the, the technology that's available today is not the same as the technology that was available then there are many different things, uh, many things that are different today than, than, than existed then. And we should confront the reality that we face today in, a, in all of its specificity. The thing that I want to say about surveillance capitalism and so on, a uh, great book by Shoshana Zuboff. There's another one, Zucked by Roger McNamee. Obviously, there's the very popular documentary, The Social Dilemma on Netflix, that talks about all of these things, but what we really need now is a social solution. So my book attempts to take off where those books and movies leave off, which is to ask, what do we do? What can we concretely do to address the social dilemma and solve the social media crisis that we find ourselves in?
0: By the way, this just came in another news report Transportation secretary Chow is resigning. Um, I guess uh, <laughs> many of them don't want to be associated with this administration anymore even, even though it's they're only a couple of weeks to go.
1: Yeah I, I'm not sure what the what the news is there resigning over over what
0: Did they just say live update from The Washington Post Transportation Secretary Chow to resign first to leave Trump's cabinet after he incited mob that attacked Capitol.
1: Oh, interesting. So it's unclear whether the resignation. uh, Yeah, I guess we'll see Um, that there will be a round of uh, of of reckoning in terms of who who continues to stand uh, and who takes a much more forceful position against the administration at this point. I think we'll that'll unfold over the next couple of days.
0: I wonder what uh, is going to happen to, in the lives of, of people who have been tarnished by this. Uh, will Rudy Giuliani ever be able to practice law again, for example?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I think that there are a number of questions that are going to arise around, for instance, also the pardons. Um, you know, what what is the extent of the par- pardon uh, power of the president? Um, and you know, is he going to be able to pardon himself? I guess we'll, we'll see it, some of those questions unfold as well.
0: Let's try to take another call.
1: BAI, you're on the air. Hello?
0: Hello, you're on the air.
3: Hello, forgive me for coming back on. I just didn't okay. hear anybody speaking about a couple of things. The gentleman asked about what political direction we should go in. Uh, there's like a group like Same boat Coalition, uh, Working People's party. We need to make everyone understand that we are in the same boat. We want our children to have clean air, clean food. We want a medical system that heals people instead of placates or offsets uh, the actual healing of a person. We want things of that nature, and we all want them. Whether you're a Ku Klux Klan person or whether you're a Black Lives uh, person, we need to start to look at issues that will touch across the board. And we are in trouble with all of those areas, okay? That's the first thing we need to do from a political standpoint, because we all love our children and we want to see our children prosper. And right now, we don't have a system in place for that to happen. And then the second thing, in my opinion, I think this brother should be impeached, okay? This is what I really think. I think that the political representatives that represent the average working person who is just trying to survive and move forward and understand the connectedness of all of us should call their council person senators and what have you and have your, their voices heard there is a number to get in touch with your senator and your representative may i give that number
0: sure it's 202
3: 224 3121 that's 202 224 3121 you give your zip code they'll give you they'll connect you with the voicemail for the senator or representative that you uh, that that represents you, and tell them what you think from your heart, and 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 request that they that they recognize what you want to be done, and that they speak up on your behalf. Okay. Well, well, I'm sorry to call back again, but I'm no saying, no. Thank oh, you,
0: <laughs> thank you. Actually, we're disappointed because we're having some phone difficulties getting Frank Figlusi on. Uh, uh, we I had also of questions for him that were. Uh, remain to some of the things that people have brought up, like how uh, uh, the, uh, many people feel that uh, the protesters were treated with kid gloves, while uh, Black Lives Matter protesters uh, were treated quite differently. Uh, and the, despite all the warnings, the, the police didn't gear up for what they knew would be a large event, including members of militias and white supremacist organizations. Uh, so uh, I, Hope at least we can get him on for just a few minutes. Uh, uh, some of the things that were that happened are really just were just amazing. When he was asked why the police were not forcing the mob out, a police officer said, "We just got to let them do their thing for now." And now they had broken into the Capitol building. Another officer directed a woman to the bathroom, and after a protester came up to him and, and shouted "traitor." Uh, another man apologized to the officer, and the officer replied, "You're you're fine." So it's just a shocking situation, uh, Sinan. Uh, I'm sure you were following it on television, or were you following it online?
1: Well, uh, you know, it's funny. I I also have a, a young son. The woman was um, the woman uh, who just called, just called. Was, was noting our noting our children. Um, And, you know, I was busy uh, attending to virtual school most of the day until after the afternoon uh, ended. Uh, And only then did I start to catch up and see all of the uh, events that were going on, Um, saw it on the news, saw it online, and so on. And she also mentioned this idea of impeach again. And uh, I just want to draw attention to uh, an article that um, my friend Neil Caddiall wrote in The New York Times recently arguing that um, uh, Congress should impeach Trump again and convict him so that – and essentially the article says, you know, the country cannot risk his becoming president again. This was over the calls to um, uh, to – to Georgia, the Georgia Secretary of State, to overturn the election result and kind of find those 11,000 votes. Uh, Now, obviously, we have his reaction, you know, President Trump's reaction to uh, what happened yesterday. Uh, You know, I I, I think that this is probably not a viable uh, path, that we're not going to see an impeachment or a conviction. But it's interesting that people are making the argument that uh, you know maybe this democracy can't survive a second Trump presidency in the future.
0: Well, others are suggesting invoking the Twenty-fifth Amendment. But uh, Chuck uh, Schumer, for instance, we can see an impeachment. What can happen is the House of Representatives can vote to impeach. It just won't go anywhere. But uh, it would. It it, it would make Donald Trump the first president to have been impeached twice during his term in office. He is claiming, by the way, that he was that was the greatest first term in office in the history of the United States.
1: Yes. I mean, I think this is a, a typical narrative. Everything he's done has been the greatest. Uh, that, that's what we've seen his rhetoric to be, no matter what it is he's talking about. Um, I think that's pretty predictable and pretty, uh, pretty commonplace for, for his speech pattern. Um, you know, I think that uh, you know, impeachment on the same grounds, obviously, is difficult. Impeachment on new grounds, uh, I think, I'm not a legal expert, obviously, um, but I think that might be a different strategy, I'm not sure that there's enough support for a conviction, however.
0: Hmm. So what are your thoughts about uh, the the future of social media as a result of this? Because it is he uh, used Twitter. uh, Well, he seemed to use Twitter more than he used anything else, but he used Twitter more than any other president ever has.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that it notes that we have entered a different era I think that it notes that, um, you know, this new, this is the new communication technology that will define the 21st century. And we have to get an understanding. We have to, you know, get our arms around, our heads around how it is going to influence society for good and bad and how we can steer it towards the good. I think that we've seen a buildup. I mean, ever since you know, uh, the Victory Lab of Obama uh, and its use of social media, we've seen a steady increase in social media's role in politics and certainly in social media's role in society. And I think that we have to recognize that it has become an outsized player in our information ecosystem, and we have to treat it with the, with the seriousness that it deserves, and I'll just draw your attention to, I started researching social media 20 years ago, before Mm. Facebook was founded. And at the time that I was researching it, many of my colleagues said to me, why are you researching this? This is just a toy. It's pictures of, you know, (laughs) chihuahuas that look like blueberry muffins and cat memes. And I said, no, this is going to have a profound impact on our democracy, on our society, on our public health, on our economy, on our businesses, and so on. And now we're seeing that take place. And, uh, and we have to take it seriously. We have to uh, commit effort to research its impact. We have to uh, take its regulation seriously. We have to take its design seriously, uh, very seriously. And that's what you do in your really wonderful book,
0: called The Hype Machine, How Social Media Disrupts Our Elections, Our Economy, and Our Health, and How We Must Adapt. It is published by Penguin Random House. And uh, Sinan Aral. I thank you so much for being on our show today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And that does it for today's show. Uh, If you're just discovering this program and would like to hear more about one-hour deep dive interviews, you can access past shows streaming on demand at wbai.org. We're also available on iTunes or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. And there are links to all of our past shows on our website, leonardlopateatlarge.com. If you want to send me a comment about any of our shows or just want to say hello, you can also email me at at leonardlopateatwbai.org. Before I sign off, I'd like to ask you to step up and support Leonard Lopez at large and the historic public radio station that brings it to you weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. We're the only station in the New York radio dial that's 100% listener-sponsored. We, we don't take funding grants or corporate underwriting of any kind. So if you value the kind of informative, in-depth interviews we bring you on the show, please go right now to give to wbaiorg or call 516 620 3602 to help ensure that we can keep this show coming to you. The best way to support WBAI without having to lay out a lot of money at any one time is to become a BAI buddy. Uh, their listeners to contribute ten dollars, fifteen dollars, twenty dollars or whatever each month to keep the station running and to show their support for what we do on this show. So please be sure to make that tax-deductible contribution in the name of Leonard Lopate at large. And, and a big thanks to everyone for keeping us on the air with their generosity. One last time, the number is, to call is 516-620-3602 or go to give dot to wbaiorg And we hope that you can join us again tomorrow when author and tech correspondent for The New Yorker, Anna Wiener, will discuss her book, Uncanny Valley a memoir. We'll see you then.